I'm Stacy Grinsfelder from Blake Hill House. And I'm Devin Caldwell from Our Philly Row. We're the hosts of True Tales from Old Houses. Hello, hello, Devin. Hello, how are you? Well, I'm good in that I'm excited that we are wrapping up season four, but I'm also bad because this is our last one together. I know, I know. Um, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It definitely is hard. You know, I'm, uh, I'm going to miss it for sure. Well, I can imagine, you know, when you, when you make a commitment to end something and start something else, you reach a point where you're then, of course, ready to end that thing right away and start that new project because you're excited true. about it. So, <laughs> this is true. I'm not going to deny that fact. <laughs> yeah. So I would guess that you're really excited about uh, devoting your time more full time to your art. And even though, I mean, I know you'll you'll miss the show. And of course, we're going to oh, miss you bunches. But yeah, but, yeah I mean, it's got to be exciting, right? I mean, everybody likes to start something it is. new. And, you know, I can listen to the show while I'm doing art. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to come up with some sort of secret code, you know, that I can oh, yeah. we, we go. <laughs> weave into the episodes. I don't know. We're not, we don't have anything. We're, we're not that tight. We're not that close of friends, right? That we can like read each other's thoughts. Well, this is true. And you know, our listeners don't actually, or may, well, they may or may not know this, but Stacy and I have never actually met face to face. We have met face to face on Zoom and right? we chit chatted and we've talked and, you know, we've known each other um, through the internet for actually several years now. But unfortunately, um, I was going to go see you this last March, quite literally the week of the shutdown. I was all planning to come and drive up to come see you. And then the shutdown happened. And so right, well, right. we haven't met yet. No, and you were you were going to come and we were going to make it work and really until the night before you were supposed to leave, right? And then I think we yeah, all kind of had yeah. this realization like, <laughs> oh, wait, this is probably not a very good idea, exactly. which was smart. Exactly. So maybe in the new year after all of this is kind of hopefully, you know, blown over a bit, maybe I'll make a trip up there and we can do something together for the show. Oh, I would love that so much. That would be great. Absolutely. Yeah, I just can't believe we haven't been able to meet each other face to face yet. It's, I don't know, just one of those things, I guess. We're living the That's uh, true. this weird life on Zoom. So you've definitely seen me at my best and at my worst on Zoom. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we better make the most of this last episode together. What do you say? Yes, I agree. All right. Well, let's start with announcements then. Um, you can go ahead. You want to give the first announcement? Sure. So uh, for those who participated in our fall event fundraiser, um, the last of the teas and hoodies are shipping out this week. We're crossing our fingers that if you ordered them as the holiday gifts, that they will arrive on time. So we're doing our best to get them out as quickly as possible. Right. And they all, you know, technically the receipt says they should get there in time for holidays, but I don't know. The post office is, they're going through some things. <laughs> they are. I'm actually waiting on a package that's been sitting 80 miles away from me in New Jersey for uh, eight days. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Well, it was very fun sending out those packages. Uh, my daughter actually helped me with those. So they were packed with love front and care by myself and my daughter and sent your way. And thank you. Thank you so much for ordering teas and hoodies. All right. The only other announcement we have is that if you're willing, we were wondering if you could take just a few minutes to answer our end of season survey. So even if you've already completed the survey in past, you're welcome to fill it out again. And we will never ever share your information. We only use it to try to make True Tales from Old Houses the best podcast possible. And where can they find out the, about this uh, survey? 
Oh, that's a really good point. The survey will be, <laughs> this, how am I going to live without you, Devin? <laughs> Nobody's going to be here to prompt me. I'm not going to know what to do. Um, but yes, you will find the survey at truetalesfromoldhouses.com. And I think it's right on the sidebar. Is that correct, Devin? Uh, I think so, yes. We'll make sure it is. Yeah, It's basically the same survey that we've had every year. I tweaked some of the questions this year, a little fine-tuning here and there. But we love hearing what you think about the show, what you change, who you'd like us to talk to as our guest on the show. So please do take a few minutes to fill it out. And again, remember, we will not sell or share your information. So thank no, you. No, we're not like that. We're not like that. So it's time for some Q&A. Would you like to ask the question? Sure. So with it being at the end of the year, I thought it would be great to find out, because actually I don't know, what house projects do you hope to achieve in 2021? All right. And this is a question for both of us, right? It is. Hmm. <laughs> that is a good question. Uh, th there's lofty goals and then there are realistic goals. I'm not <laughs> sure which ones you want. <laughs> Old house owners, you all know what I'm talking about. Maybe a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Okay, so last summer I worked on the window in my daughter's room, and it's one of the fancy, the fanciest patterns here in Blake Hill House, and there are five more of those. So if I were trying to, if I'm giving you my loftiest, loftiest goal, I would say it'd be wonderful if I could have all of those complicated windows done in 2021. More realistically, I would say probably I could get two to three of them done rather than the five. I mean, they are really time consuming. Yeah. Um, beautiful when they're done, but really, really time consuming. And I can only do them in the nicest months just because of where they're located. Sure. They're very difficult to cover with plywood or plastic or anything like that. Um, it's possible, but I don't want to be working during the fringe seasons on those windows. I want to be working during the nicest time of the year. Uh, the other thing I'd like to work on maybe, well, something I have to do, absolutely have to do, are the piers in my basement. I have brick piers in the basement that need to be, um, actually two of them need to be rebuilt, and one of them might be able to be repointed. So uh. a lot of the... I, I feel like a lot of the things I have next year are not really fun for people to watch, but they're really important to the house. Right. Not pretty, but very important. Right. Uh, last summer, I did a bunch of foundation work uh, with lime mortar, and I have a bunch of really critical sections to work on again over the warmer months, at least when it's above 55. Now that I can work on more in spring and fall, so that's great. As far as super duper big, like fun projects, uh, I may be doing my outdoor workshop, which ah. is really kind of an enclosed area. I need to work on the windows in there. Um, the house it's attached directly to the house and the house has never been painted in there. Is that the area that used to be like a garage for a Model A? Yeah, something like that for sure. Yeah. So what happened is my house used to have a wraparound porch. And when they removed that, they enclosed that side. And yes, it has bifold doors. With lots of windows. <laughs> lots of windows. It's like a greenhouse for a car. It is. It is. It's a, I'll put a photo up on the on the website. So, but you're exactly right. It's a greenhouse for a car. So that's both a cosmetic update, which is fun to see. There'll be some real visual, stunning progress. Sure. But it's also kind of one of those projects that's a drag because there's a lot of cleaning and fixing and repairing, and you know. So we'll see. I have to think that they put all those windows in because they wanted to show off the fact that they had a car. 
I wonder, I wonder, I don't know, up above that's the sleeping porch too. And it, it needs a ton of work as well. And I just find it so interesting what they, their thought process, you know, let's do this thing, but make it fancy, definitely make it fancy. Yeah. <laughs> and I might end up working on the main bedroom in our house upstairs, but that's still, I'm not sure. I haven't made any big decisions on that one. So how about you? So I'm going to do what I've been trying to do for the last couple of years, <laughs> Okay. which is um, two years ago in January, uh, before all of these things happened in my life that kind of threw me off, I finally picked a color of paint for the parlor and I started plans for the parlor. And so my first big goal of 2021 is to just get that parlor done. Besides just painting, I have an, an original 1870s um plaster medallion that I need to install. And um, I have a lot of little things that are going to take me through quite a bit of work, but um, it's all going to get put on a blog and um, I'm really excited about it to finally get to it. Good. And then while that's going on, I'm hoping to also be planning the uh, future um, primary suite uh, for us upstairs. Um, the bedroom and bathroom. So the bathroom is going to be what's in what's now actually a bedroom. So we're putting plumbing in an area of the house that never has had plumbing before. Ooh, wow. Uh, which is exciting because we haven't been sleeping in there. You know, we're sleeping in the, the future guest room in the back. We're not sleeping in the main room at all. I'm hoping to get that accomplished this next year. And truth be told, we're going to hire a good chunk of that out, uh, at least all the hard stuff. And then I'm going to come in and do all the finishing work. That makes a lot of sense. So your plumbing, you live in a brick house. So do you have, can you run plumbing through walls? Is it still like a balloon framed or will you have to put it on the outside? How will you do no. that? Well, um, it, it so happens that directly above, below where the, the, the uh, primary bathroom is going to go is the half bath. Then below that is the basement. So I'm going to borrow a bit of space from the half bath and run like a chase all the way up to the third floor. So the second and third floor up there have never had plumbing ever. And so we're going to bring plumbing all the way to the top and then we'll run a vent stack all the way up and through and out the roof. It's going to be literally designed in so that you, it won't need to infer, interfere with the brick at all. Um, it'll Good. just run right up on the inside and then we'll, we'll enclose it so you won't see it. It'll be kind of buried behind the wall. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I have, and I'm not going to go back and talk about me again for very long, but I will say that we have sort of one of those projects on the master plan of what we might do to this house someday, depending on how long we stay. And one of those is running plumbing where there's no plumbing. So that's interesting. I like to hear about your, your project. Um, ours will be slightly complicated. I think we'll have to go through the walls, but I think we'll be able to go through a wall that's already been damaged at one point, you know, so mm -hmm. we'll be able to just kind of re- use the, we'll be able to fix it, I guess, repair it pretty easily. So I think our biggest challenge is we're going to put a rather sizable shower. I think like four by five foot shower in the middle of the, of the oh, wow. house. And so we're going to have to go in and beef up floor joists. Uh, in that's order what to I was going to ask weight. you. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal. Cause you'll have tile, you'll have water, you'll have maybe glass. You'll have maybe uh, yeah, a, glass a glass door. Yeah. We'll have a glass door, a lot of tile. It'll be tile on three sides. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have to put in some very like sister the joists on both sides so that we can, um, 
handle all that weight because it's going to be a lot of weight. And it already sags right now. It's probably two inches lower in the middle than it is on the outside edges. So. Interesting. So is that something that you'll just fit in with your contractor? Did you get an engineer yes. to come and look? Did you get a, like a structural engineer to, to kind of give feedback on how much weight? Because we've had that question before, and, and I will try to answer it more thoroughly in the future about, you know, do you consider the weight of more when you're doing right. modern updates? Do you consider the weight? And, and we've never answered that question on air because truthfully, neither you nor I are engineers. So I kept thinking, well, we'll get someone. We'll talk about it. We did have, so when we bought the house, we had a structural engineer come through and we did have another area that was sagging, lifted up uh, about an inch and a half. Um, and it's actually uh, only about four feet away from where the shower is going. And they went in through the ceiling and they sistered in with um, LVL beams to strengthen it. And this time, because we're going to pull the floor up to put a new floor in, we'll just have them go through the floor and install the beams. But it's essentially going to be sistering on both sides of the joist just to ensure that added strength is there. So interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to following that one. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know when you're going to get started, but that'll be a really interesting one. We'll make sure that, um, of course, your blog will always be available. A link to it will always be available on our show notes, um, regardless of where those show notes end up. So we'll make sure everybody can find you at our Philly Row or also at our Philly Row on Instagram. Yeah. Great. Well, we have some pretty big plans and big goals for 2021. I feel like we should be getting started right now. We should probably just hang up and go. <laughs> I'll be very excited to get plumbing on the third floor where I have my art studio because right now I have to run all the way down to the kitchen in the back of the house to rinse things off and then come all the way back up again. Today's guests are a husband and husband DIY team who have been working on their 1893 Boston area Victorian for the past few years. They stumbled on it after it had been completely gutted to the studs. But fortunately, the house had good bones and many of the original elements managed to survive. They could see the potential of what it could be and have been taking us along for the ride on Instagram for the past several years. We talked to them a while back as they wrapped up not just one room, but three. And wow, those rooms turned out amazing. Oh, yes, they did. So we would like to give a big welcome to Stephen and David St. Russell, also known as the Renovation Husbands. I am Stephen St. Russell. And I am David St. Russell. And on Instagram, we are the Renovation Husbands. We have been renovating our Boston Victorian for about three years now. and. <laughs> that's hard to do <laughs> it's hard to renovate or it's hard to think of more to say to introduce yourselves Both. <laughs> i lost track of what i'm supposed to be doing <laughs> no that's perfect that's a perfect introduction yep. it's no problem at all well welcome 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 to true tales from old houses it's so nice to have you both here thank you for having us thank you for having us yeah. we've been looking forward to this so it's great to sit down and and talk with you have you always been lovers of old houses? And how did you find your Victorian in Boston? I can't say that we always have been. We started renovating our first house kind of out of necessity because we were living in an apartment in Boston that was just too expensive. It didn't make sense anymore. So we bought our first home. Um, that kind of happened again several years later when we ended up renting in Boston a second time. And we were looking for a cheaper apartment when we drove by this Victorian that we live in now and within two weeks we were closing on it. Wow. Yeah. We were on our way to lunch someplace local to here, not knowing the neighborhood at the time. And um we drove by this house that looked kind of derelict and run down, but it looked like someone was maybe working on it. And we're like, oh, that is such a cool house. 
And then we're sitting at lunch with our friends and our friend is like, hey, look, it's on Zillow. And so we started looking at it. We saw all the pictures of the inside. And like David said, within two weeks, we're, we are closing. Were you just in a quick position to buy or were you just like, we love this house, we want it, we need to do it now? Is it kind of both or, I mean, <laughs> it seems like quick. It was interesting because we were in an apartment with another couple. We were all living together. They were moving to California. So we were looking for cheaper rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had been splitting four ways. And of course, we ended up looking at a house that was, at the time, like very expensive. Um, and we didn't really quite know how we would make it work. But that's kind of how we've been going along this entire time, is, uh, you know, figuring out how to make it work. Exactly. Being resourceful, yeah. yeah. Right, right. So was it derelict? I mean, how? what kind of shape was it in when you actually closed on it? Yeah, so so it was kind of a unique situation. So. Like I said, someone was, it looked, it appears that it, it had appeared as if someone was working on the house. Um, and that was the case. Someone had bought it and then within a year completely gutted it. So brought it down all the way to the studs, barely any existing detail inside except for our, our awesome entry um, still remained, but no plaster to be seen. And then due to whatever situation they were in, had to then get rid of it. So we bought a shell of a house. Um, and so the first big phase was bringing it to a livable standard so that we could move into it. One of the reasons we were able to get, we didn't, we didn't need a uh, inspection. We didn't need anything. Like everything was exposed. So we had <laughs> a luxury of a three month overlap between the end of our apartment and moving into this home. So we had three months to get plumbing, electric and walls, plaster. plaster. We moved in with a toilet. And that's all we have. One tiny little sink in our little, oh, yeah, little bath downstairs. If you call it a sink, <laughs> it was a toilet and a sink. Um, so we did all of our showering at the gym. We probably did that for two months or so. And then we cooked on a grill in the backyard for like four or five months before we had any working kitchen. Um, so, you know, we just kind of made it work. Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny that you mentioned the inspection. Yeah, when everything's open, you're like, does it have plumbing? No, it does not. Does it need electrical? Yes, it does. Yeah, and structural <laughs> issues, we can see them. Yeah. yeah. How does the electric? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> did you do plaster? You said plaster. Did you do drywall or plaster? So we did plaster through the entire house. Um, luckily, we found a friend who was a contractor. We like to do things ourselves as much as possible, but during that phase, it just we weren't able to do it. So... We had a contractor who knew a plaster. They came in and they did the entire house without the attic um, in like a day and a half. It was incredible. Yeah, we played the balance of drywall will take a little bit longer. So you're paying for the the man hours for that. Plaster, they can do much, much faster. And it's a nicer finish in the end. So it it, kind of equals out in the end when you're doing such a large project to start with, as opposed to just one. That is shocking to me. I guess I wouldn't have ever thought about it. Yeah, that it was way. exactly the same price. It just, you know, took a lot less time. Yeah. I mean, with plaster these days, they're basically, basically are putting up drywall or like a backer board. Right. So it looks like drywall at first. And then instead of doing all the joints, they just skim coat. So it's, you can imagine it's a little bit faster in that, in that respect. Okay. That makes sense. So no, no laugh. It's just plaster over like a backer board. That was all taken out. It has caused a lot of problems with, because now the thickness of the plaster has changed. So our 
our window jams are now proud of the plaster. So we're constantly, now that we're putting all the, the trim up and window casing, we're all constantly playing that battle of how are we gonna make up for this, this gap between the trim and the wall? Right, that makes sense. How did you guys learn construction and design? What's your background around that? We don't have any formal background. Steven did go to school for architecture. Um, so he was in school for design, but we started kind of before, well, during, during your schooling, yeah. there was an, um, we had a ottoman or a table in front of our couch that we converted into an ottoman. And that was officially our first DIY project, uh, maybe eight years ago. Um, so we started doing little things in our apartment and then we bought our first house um, just south of the city. Um, and that's where we started really gaining all of our skills. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we within that house we did, it obviously wasn't to the scale of this house in terms of all the plaster and all the systems and all that, but it was mostly cosmetic as well as bathrooms and a kitchen. So just learning the lessons from from that house is really what allowed us to like start to level up our skills and take those lessons learned and put them into this house. Yeah, I think people forget there is this like period of time that you have to learn what lab is and how you would fix that and how it attaches to a stud and how the stud attaches to the floor like yeah they're very natural i think to people who are doing it but it's it's quite the curve and that house really like allowed us yeah. um you know the space to learn those skills sure i think my education in in architecture um and design helps with with design and conceptualizing what we want to do but it was definitely the hands-on work that got us to where we are today. It does really feel like just understanding how things come apart and how they go back together is, is so essential in whatever project that you're doing. So that brings me to my next question. When you're planning a project, what do you focus on more, design or renovation? We just went through this with the One Room Challenge where we have always been focused on things from like an architectural standpoint. So we focus very much on what the room is going to look like with molding and right. Yeah. Yeah. Molding and like what the windows and doors will look like and never really what the design of the room will look like. Or like the interiors and decor. Right. It always seems to come second for us. Um, this, you know, one room challenge that we just completed really made us do both at the same time. And, and ahead us, of time. And ahead of time. We had to do all this in advance. So it really was the first time that we had we got to focus on both. And it was a whole new world and I kind of liked it. Yeah. Tell us more about the one room challenge and what your experience was. Not and complete not just one room. You did three rooms, really, three spaces within one area. The one room challenge was just an amazing opportunity that came seemingly out of out of nowhere and we just kind of latched onto it. Um, we couldn't let the opportunity go. And it, it made us kind of rearrange our priorities within the house. So when we were approached by, by Linda, we, we accepted the offer right away, but didn't really know what space we would do because next on our docket was either the parlor or the dining room or the attic, which we're in now. And we had always kind of put our, our main bedroom and bathroom to the last of the projects, because even though it's where we live and sleep, it felt like it wasn't like the public facing rooms. Yeah, we were really driven to finish the spaces that people, like the common spaces. We still have a dining room that's not finished. 
We still have a parlor that's not finished. And, you know, the master bath and bedroom are also more expensive projects. Mm -hmm. So we were also prioritizing financially, you know, when are we going to fit this thing in? Um, we want to do it well, and that comes with money, unfortunately, uh, a lot of times. So it was the perfect opportunity to sneak this project in and then also force us to finish it within a tight timeline. So let me explain really quick for people who aren't familiar with the One Room Challenge, because not everybody knows what it is. But it's a challenge that was started by Linda from, I believe, Calling It Home was her blog originally. And it started out as a six-week challenge to completely redo a room, whatever that means to you. Um, there are uh, sponsored, I'm sorry, there are featured participants, and then there are guest participants as well. And they have it twice a year, it's become this big thing. And if you're a featured participant, then you get a lot of sponsorships for product and other things like that. So that's where you were, you were featured designers. Mm -hmm. And that opened up the money, which was nice for you to finish this project. And boy, you knocked it out of the park. So I think that was a a good enough, hopefully a good enough description of the one room challenge. Um, this year, I think it was, or this session, it was eight weeks instead of six weeks, if I remember correctly. Oh, it was 10, 10 weeks. Oh, 10 weeks, even better. Extended by a full month. Oh, because of COVID. Right. right. Yeah, it was definitely one of the more unique, unique seasons of the one room challenge, because initially it was... It, it kind of started and we actually agreed to do it before everyone was kind of on lockdown. And it was just interesting how our participation and everyone's participation kind of evolved as everyone else was experiencing this, this mutual experience of, of, of lockdown and self-isolation. So it was, a, it was an interesting thing to navigate, um, but it did extend the timeline uh, somewhat, which, which definitely helped in our case. The thing with One Room Challenge is you have to get it done within the timeline. There's like very little exception. There's a lot of pressure to do it. And those four weeks saved us for sure. That shower forever. But that shower is beautiful. I have to say, um, your shower, when you when the reveal happened, I mean, I watched as you did, did the work on it. I have been planning my master bathroom for the last couple of years. I even bought some of the hardware similar to your hardware last year. Um, we haven't got there yet. I was going to originally do marble like Carrera. And then I thought our house isn't fancy enough for Carrera. And so I started looking at other ideas, but when you had the reveal and I saw that, I said, Nope, that's exactly what I'm doing. I went right back to what I thought before because you guys nailed it so well. Yeah. I think Carrera marble is timeless and always will be. Exactly. It won't be dated in 20 years because it's Carrera marble. It's like Carrera marble or subway tile. Those are really your timeless <laughs> options, right? It's so good. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely an example of of what we learned on our first house and our first projects we put into this project. If you look back at our first house, I hope the the first owners aren't or the now owners aren't listening to this, but like the the tiles get a little bit bigger as they go up the corner. So we took all of those and put them into into this shower, especially also knowing that it was uh, going to be large format tile. We need to really make sure everything's straight and, and level. Let's take a short break here. Before we say farewell to 2020, and boy, do we want to say farewell to 2020, we want to take a moment to express our gratitude to all of you for listening to the show these past four seasons. Yes, thank you for all your support for True Tales from Old Houses. We appreciate every rating and review you leave and every single time that you share the show with the people in your life, in person or on social media. All of that helps new listeners find us. 
Your monetary donations via the link on our website and your participation in the fundraising merchandise event help ensure that True Tales from Old Houses continues to improve and provides the best content for old house lovers just like you. So we can agree that 2020 has been a year like no other. But as we move through these last couple weeks of this upside down year, we want you to know how important you are to us. Thank you for making True Tales from Old Houses a part of your life. All right, so let's go to that. When you were mentioning before with the one-room challenge, you said it forced you to sort of do design and decor together, which I imagine was maybe a little stressful if that wasn't something that you normally did. But are either of you particularly good at one thing, or did you feel like you needed to make all the decisions together? Yeah, we're. I, I don't think we'd actually define ourselves as interior designers. Is that fair? Yeah. You're good at it. I, don't, I mean, you can call yourselves whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> so this really it was actually helpful. It's the salad dressing problem when you're like decorating a room. There's just like too many options. And you can like scroll through, you know, a nightstand options for like days and days. So when we were forced or like had the option, not really forced, but had the option to work with people who were sponsoring us, it really narrowed our selection down and let us kind of design both the architectural standpoint and the interior design all together at once, Yeah, which was something we've actually never done. And, and I mean, in terms of, of, of architecture, trim work, and kind of general concepts for rooms, that's something that basically for every room in the house, we've taken like little stabs at over time, just kind of when we're talking about it. And because I have my background in architecture and using that kind of software, I always kind of mock things up. And so having a, it definitely changed, but having a, a bit of a background or a bit of the knowledge of what this room, we wanted this room to look like, helped us to feel like we could accomplish it. And yeah, we, we've been talking about this room for a long yeah. time. So we've been imagining what this room would look like for years so we had some idea of direction right but really pulling out those items yeah. was something and that finishes was, and wallpaper new. paint yeah. yeah exactly yeah well it was interesting because i was looking at your blog and i was doing sort of that the house tour rounds you know you've done all these rooms like the princess room and the cowboy room and i just got a really nice feeling looking at them and decor is not my strong point at all like I fix things I demo and I fix things that's that's who I and I struggle I struggle so much you know I think oh this is the perfect thing and then I put it in the room and I'm like it still doesn't feel right so I admire when there's someone like the two of you or anybody Devin's really good at it too finding that thing choosing that thing and it actually being the right thing <laughs> because that's hard <laughs> it's so hard we like I can't tell you how many times we buy a we don't buy pillows and we do for our rooms. So we finish them and then we're like, this isn't correct. So right. we, we do bring a lot of stuff. Back. Okay. Well, that makes me, that's comforting to me. <laughs> Not a natural born talent. Yeah. For us. Are you the kind of um, people who will just over time add something like you'll be out and about and you'll think, Oh, that would look beautiful in the princess room. And then you'll just pick it up and put it in there or whatever. I was about to say yes, but I look like you were about to say no, 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 yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> princess room still needs stuff so yeah every every room kind of evolves with time and then i think for our living room we feel like it's done so we don't really look for the room anymore 
Oh, and to clarify too, I, we're t- I'm talking about all these spaces. Sometimes I forget, you know, we're we're in a podcast format. We're it's audio, it's not video. But we are. We will post renovationhusbands.com on our show notes, and you can go see um, Stephen and David's house in in its mostly entirety, at least the part you've shown us so 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 far. But you'll understand what I mean about the princess room and the cowboy room, and and gosh, that. Uh, like you said, your living room, your part, is it parlor? Do you call it parlor? So the living room is the one that you'll see on the website. Um, and that we, was one of the first rooms we did because it's kind of our hangout space. And then in traditional Victorian and, and Boston style, we have a front parlor, which we are is still to be done, but is the more formal type living room. Um, that's one of our next projects. And is that the one with the, well, the, the living room is the woodwork. That's outstanding. What gorgeous, gorgeous woodwork. And the staircase? Yeah. Yeah, this luckily the only thing that was not gutted in this house when we bought it was the staircase. Um, have all the original detail. It also gives us a little bit of insight to what was here originally. Um, the person who got it did keep a lot of the original woodwork in the basement. So we had that as well for small repairs. Um, and then, you know, we were able to use it throughout. We have all of the doors, which was really interesting. Also blessing because you have the door so now you have to refinish them right and that's like right you know its own beast um so we're working through those yeah right are they labeled or do you get to play like every day like let's find out where this door goes no idea where they live yeah <laughs> like you can kind of guess like what color they are but some of the doorways don't exist anymore so you know we have all the first floor doors and once we bought the, the house they had already removed all the doorways so we didn't have any of the original doorways um, to even match up to. So we have more doors than doorways, which I guess is better than the reverse. Yeah. Yeah. And the first floor, um, what we're doing is taking the more ornate doors that are on the, were originally on the first floor and bringing them up to the second floor, which are just more of a, were just a more five panel door. Nice. Very nice. How do you keep your momentum going? Because, you know, I know that, you. I mean, obviously after this one room challenge, there certainly was a moment of like, ah, I got to take a break. But you guys, I'm one of the things I admire about you is that you guys seem to have a continuous momentum to keep going forward. And um, so how do you kind of keep that going? I'm glad it seems that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it definitely doesn't feel that way sometimes, especially after, like you said, the one room challenge now is definitely, we took kind of a hard break. Yeah, I think that Instagram definitely creates an illusion that things are very continuous. But in reality, um, you know, you only remember what you see posted and you kind of forget about the gaps. So, you know, we might have a few weeks where we're doing real life things and filling it with images that we've already taken. So we're just like anybody else. We have, you know, real life things going on and we have full time jobs. So, we do sometimes feel like we're stalling. Uh, do you think you'll do the one room challenge again? If we're invited. Maybe. Oh, we'll probably do it as a guest participant. That's a good angle. I like that. Yeah, no, it was definitely the community around it was a lot of fun. You know, so not everybody went to the extent that we did. You don't, you certainly don't have to, but there's so many guest participants doing so many cool projects. Um, so just because you're featured doesn't mean you're doing something really cool and inspiring. And we got to meet all these, you know, this amazing community, both featured designers and otherwise. And um, it was a ton of fun. It definitely helped us get that project done. 
which is probably the, the biggest. Like, yeah, the biggest push. Yeah. I think we're more apt to do the old and slow challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the old and slow room challenge is something that my friend Kelly and I, she, it was actually the brainchild of Kelly. And then I said, you know, let me know what I can do. And so we kind of are co-hosting this for, for old house uh, people for them. I mean, anybody can participate, but the, we have six months. So this there's good and bad to that. You know, I've got six months. So guess who hasn't started? Yeah, me. Right. So I'm probably going to end up doing my challenge in the last six or eight weeks. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I really just did nothing to help myself. Oh uh, yeah. But you've got a few <laughs> months to plan. That'll help. Is your, is your slow challenge just going through all of the windows in the house? Because if it is, you're nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you, if that was the case, then I'll be doing windows probably for the next five years. Maybe to, I mean, like if I really stay on it, it's going to take at least that long. It's something. Yeah, it's fun to do the occasional window, but our, our we all of ours were replaced with vinyl, which, you know, is not great. I would rather have the original. On the flip side, we don't need to do them. All, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they were replaced by the, the previous owners. Right. I wouldn't trade my windows for anything, but they definitely are sometimes a slog to get through. And and I, I don't always enjoy the work. I, I really love it when it's done. Yeah, the only there was only one window that we had recreated based on the original because when we bought the house, there just wasn't a window. It was just open air in the attic, actually. And there was the only reference we had was a Google Street View. So we, we looked at the old Google Street Views. I sketched it up and we brought it to a guy to make and it came out awesome. There are so many houses here. I live in a, a village with about probably 90% inventory of houses that are old, like really old, either at least 60 years or older. And so many of them have their original attic windows, but then the windows below it have been replaced by vinyls. So I'm always staring at their attic windows. Going, <laughs> oh, those are so much prettier. Tell us how, when, and how you got started with beekeeping. Oh, that's a David topic. <laughs> <laughs> I, we were living in an apartment in Boston, so we had no yard space. And what I have found with renovating homes is that I actually enjoy my time outside much more than my time inside. So our yard projects, I'm much more motivated by anything landscaping. I Sign me up. I'll do it. Um, and the beekeeping portion of that was just something that I became interested in. And I rode the tea every day to work and I bought some books. So every day I was sitting on the tea reading my like how to beekeep books, um, determined to start beekeeping once we have the yard to do so. So I started, this is now my third season, which is kind of wild to think about, but it's, uh, it's a fun hobby. Is it a big time commitment? It's, it definitely takes... Um, a lot of thinking and timing, but they're they're wild animals for all intents and purposes. So they they don't really need me very much. I need to do things to make sure that they have the best um, environment possible to survive. But they don't need to be walked, right? Like they don't <laughs> they don't need like the litter changed. I just need to go in there every you know month or so and check on them, look for diseases or what have you. And then really part of the responsibility is getting them through winter, which is one of the hardest things to do. Um, so getting them through the winter is a little bit stressful. Um, but other than that, they're actually really easy. I haven't you know touched them in a while. So. How do you get them through winter? It gets pretty cold there. Yeah, it does. They um, do that primarily themselves. The thing that's tricky is that 
in the wild, they will build a hive inside of a hollow oak tree, right, which is much thicker. And here I'm keeping them in a three quarter of an inch poplar box, which as you can imagine is not very insulated. So all I do is make sure they have enough food. Um, I insulate their hive a little bit and I just make sure that they don't have any or as little mites as possible. So when you hear about people, you know, bees dying, mites are one of the primary reasons. They're in almost every single hive in the United States. Um, so you do a lot to get the mite count down and then their survival goes up based on your ability to do that. Hmm. So they basically huddle in a little ball and they, they huddle like 98 degrees or something. It's yeah, crazy. they keep it really warm. So they huddle, they, they get really compact. So you can tell how cold it is by how compact the hive is. Even in the autumn, they'll start to cluster a little bit. So they get into a really tight cluster. The queen sits at the middle and then they just rotate out. Um, you know, as it's their turn and they just, you know, buzz their way through winter. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. We have a giant, a giant chestnut tree in our front yard that's full of honeybees and they live there and they winter there. And I think about three years ago, the hive split. And so they came out and they swarmed the tree and then we were getting ready to go. So I thought, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I know somebody would probably really enjoy these, but I, I didn't have anybody to call. I didn't know anybody. So I'm not sure where they went, uh, but that's been fun. So every spring or, you know, when it starts to get warm, I send one of my kids up the tree to make sure the honeybees are still there. Oh, that's adorable. Cool. And they're there. It's just a big open knot. I'm sure I can just imagine what that tree looks like inside. I should take a picture of, of the tree for you. It's a giant tree. Yeah, we're always really happy when they, they're back, you know, every every summer. And I, I always get nervous. I'm like, oh, maybe they maybe they left or maybe they didn't make it because we're so cold here. But sure enough, just when I th am, think it's been a long time that I'm waiting, they'll come back around. If it ever peaks above 35 or 40, they don't use the bathroom in the hive all winter. So they will come out when it reaches like about 40 degrees. They do a little bit of a flight and then they go back in. Um, so th they'll peek their heads out a couple of times. So I always look for that. But it's it's a fun, exciting thing. The problem is I'm becoming a little bit of like the cat lady of bees. I started with one hive <laughs> and I'm up, to, I'm up to four. Four? Okay, I thought it was three. <laughs> well, you're processing honey too, right? Yeah, I'm collecting honey in the fall. Um, just whatever I get that year. My primary motive for this is not like money or profit or selling honey or even the honey at all. I just like really keeping them. So um, we were, you know, able last year to give a lot of honey away to or sell a lot of our honey to our followers, which was a lot of fun because people are interested. There's no shortage of honey around here. That's for sure. And you mentioned community garden. I'd love to hear more about the community garden. Yeah, so we are members of, we, we call it our allotment because it's our favorite British word um, that we didn't know what it was for the longest time and then realized it's a community garden or your, your little section of community garden. Um, so it's just down the block from us and we had walked by it a million times and then we had been starting to get interested in farming and homesteading and um, eventually David contacted the, the number that was on the sign and they happened to have um, spots available and they always wanted to have bees so it was kind of the perfect fit um, so we have bees there and we have a bunch of vegetables way too many tomatoes and cucumbers um, but it was a really awesome thing to be part of our neighborhood and part of the community that's neat so tell us what are your thoughts around what makes an old house special versus a new house do you have a property i mean you're in an old house you've been in newer places 
what makes the old house special? Yeah. So I think what it always comes down to is, is character, right? And whatever character means to you, if it's, if it's craft, if it's something really old and cool looking, but I think also new houses can have character if you can see that there's time and love put into them. Our first house was a 1910 house. So it was an older house and we loved the character that it had. We then moved to a modern loft in the south end of Boston, which we also loved and which is where we were living when we bought this house. So I think that we have love for both of them and, and in our approach to, to old houses, especially in our unique situation when we're starting from nothing, right? We're not tearing stuff out to replace it. Um, but when we're adding to it, it's always this balance of what will look right here and what do we like that we want to put here? So like for the for a master suite, there, the shower is, is more of a modern design, but we're using very traditional elements um, and materials. So we always want to put finishes that respect the house, but also are what we want to live in. Yeah, we're always balancing the two. And just because we're old, we're working on an old house right now, doesn't mean that we're going to, you know, I don't see myself necessarily as a forever old house person. But I might be if the right house comes along. Yeah, it's about the house, not the yeah. necessarily the age, I guess. Right now, my I'm like thinking ahead a little bit. And um, I have this really, I really want to figure out systems, modern systems. So I have this like fantasy of building a farmhouse that is like fully. Um, off the grids. Let's say off the grid, but yeah, off the grid and, you know, really figuring out solar panels and solar energy and geothermal. geothermal and building all of those because those are items, specific items that I haven't done yet. And typically the things that garnish my interest the most are things that I don't get. I just become fascinated <laughs> with it. And then I just want to, I feel like the only way you can learn it is by doing it. So right now my head is already Sometimes to Stephen's dismay, <laughs> thinking ahead to what's after this. <laughs> We're open to anything, really. But we still don't have a dining room or parlor now, yeah, right. so let's focus on that. <laughs> yeah, you got a couple of things yeah. to do. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I usually just kind of flip it back to you, too. I mean, is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners that and maybe an answer to a question that we didn't ask you? Is there anything on your minds? I think the only, the thing that we get a lot, the question we get a lot is around how did we learn what we know? And there's no magic answer to that. It's really up to curiosity and working on what you have. So really the biggest project I, like I opened with was that ottoman in our Fenway apartment. And we went and we bought fabric and we tufted it. It was you know, something we did in 500 square feet, but it was a learning curve and it was exciting. And I still use the things I learned from the Ottoman today. So really, you know, there's no secret. It's just picking up whatever project is around you and then building on what you learn. Um, and that's always my advice when people ask. Good advice. Just, just go for it. So Stephen and David, wonderful to have you here on the show today. It was so fun to talk to you about just everything. I, I always get a kick out of getting to know people better. So thank you very much for being on True Tales from Old Houses. Thank you so much for having us. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. I just want to say it was really great to have you on our show today. And we really enjoyed talking with you and learning more about you. Bye. Thank you Goodbye. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 
Well, that is a wrap for season four. Special thanks go out to Alex Santantonio, Daniel Cantor, Alicia and Zach from Brew City Foursquare, Leanne Wisman, Bill Chapman, John Harrington, Chelsea and Susan from our ghost story episode, Richard Can, Ward Schrader, Carolyn Fuller, and today's guests, Stephen and David St. Russell. And thank you also to Tony and Kat for technical audio editing and to composer Jason Shaw from Audionautics for all of our music. And again, thank you for listening. For more information about this episode, including show notes and transcripts, visit truetalesfromoldhouses.com. I am going to miss you, Devin. Uh, I'm going to really miss you too, Stacey. And I'm going to miss all of our listeners who have been uh, so supportive over this past couple of years. I'm sure I'll stay in touch with some of you on Instagram, at least I hope to. I'll be back from time to time. I I know I will. I'm going to need you back sometimes. (laughs) I'm sure I'll show up sometimes next season, but you know, that's a little bit of a surprise yet. All right, and speaking of the next season, True Tales from Old Houses will be back on February 1st. Have a happy and healthy new year, and I'll see you in 2021. Until next time. Bye for now.